Coming up on the Sark Fighter podcast, fellow Sark Fighter Sam Wassel shares the story of how sarcoidosis snuck up on her. So I was having a lot of like, like bloating and distension and pressure, pain, nausea. And then it sounds so like rudimentary to say I was burping a lot. Also in this episode, a return appearance by Sark fighter Royce Robertson, who's planning a three-day bike ride even though he has cardiac sarcoidosis. And he's raising money for the cause. I've started a separate Instagram for my own personal one, and it's Cycle4, Cycle the number four, Sark, and uh, Cycle4 Sark. That and a nice award for this show coming up on the FSR Sark Fighter Podcast. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and welcome. This is episode 82 of the FSR Sark Fighter Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Kinevent Sciences, Kinevent Sciences is researching a potential new drug for sarcoidosis, nemilumab, which inhibits one of the key proteins believed to be responsible for granuloma formation and the persistence in sarcoidosis. Please listen to episode 69 of the FSR Sark Fighter podcast as Kindevent CEO Bill Gerhardt and their director of patient advocacy, Rainey Rogers, discuss the status of nemilumab and how you, as a sarcoidosis patient, can participate in the phase two clinical trial called Resolve Lung. And I would be remiss if I didn't obviously direct you to the bonus episode of the Sark Fighter podcast, which is the one previous to this one. That was a town hall meeting sponsored by Kindevent and hosted by FSR, and I was the uh, master of ceremonies, the MC, if you will, the moderator. Uh, and we looked at the whole clinical trial process from the perspective of the panel, showing how the patient looks at participating in a clinical trial. Also, from the physician's perspective, the needs of the pharmaceutical company, if they want to prove that the drug works and is safe. And then also from FSR, who is trying to make all of this work to find avenues to make it easier for the patient to participate and for the pharmaceutical company to succeed and ultimately for more medicines to be approved by the FDA. So we have another arrow in the quiver to fight sarcoidosis. And that was a town hall meeting. It was released here as a bonus episode on the Sark Fighter podcast, and it is the one just previous to this one. So check that out, and, and I hope you will give it a listen. I want to remind you that the uh, Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is proud to host the inaugural, and this is a big deal, it's the inaugural Sarcoidosis Crystal Awards Gala celebrating connections, collaboration, and catalyzing research. That's the name of the gala. That's a mouthful, but it's on May 24th in Washington, D.C., and the gala will bring together the sarcoidosis community for an evening celebrating clinicians, researchers, and advocates from all around the world 
who are leading the charge to advance sarcoidosis research and carve the path toward better treatments and a cure. And I can tell you right now that it's not free, but there are early bird tickets and they're available until the end of March 2023. So from uh, you've got uh, most of the rest of March from the release date of this podcast to get in on the early bird special. Visit stopsarcoidosis.org and you can learn more. Now, some of you may already be aware that at the gala, FSR will be handing out four awards of these for these crystal awards, as they're calling them, and I will be one of the recipients. I, I am I'm absolutely flabbergasted. I'm surprised, obviously pleased that this project, this podcast is being seen as being so helpful to the greater sarcoidosis community. There are three other honorees. They're very well-known people, both in and out of the sarcoidosis space. And I kind of feel like I'm the warm-up act compared to these folks. I can't believe that uh, I would be recognized in the company of such an accomplished group. Now, I'm not going to say anything more about this. Maybe we'll just do a slow roll with it, and and I'll release more information as we get closer. Um, But I I hope that you will consider coming to the gala in Washington, D.C., saying hello to me personally, and so I can meet some of you in person, and, of course, supporting FSR and my fellow honorees. And, again, the news release is out there. So the names of everybody... Uh, have been have been released, um, but I you know every once in a while I'll receive an award for uh, something that I've done as a journalist uh, in my role as the news anchor at, at Channel Ten Ten News here in Roanoke, Virginia. But you know you get notified that you're going to win this award, so you go to the event, but you're not really supposed to say anything about it until you actually have the award in hand. It's, it's kind of premature. So they've, they've released this information, but I, I feel like, um, I feel like it's, it's premature to say anything else about it, except they've got this big gala. I hope you'll go. They're looking for people to go. They want to fill that room with people who are all involved in the sarcoidosis space. And, uh, and it's on May 24th, I think it's a Wednesday night, 2023, in Washington, D.C., and it's, it's going to be a big deal. <laughs> it really is. So I really hope to see you there, and we'll be talking about it more in the months ahead. It's only March, and, and this is coming up in May, okay? And uh, there is a link to in the show notes on how you can uh, sign up, get tickets, and participate. Really, really, really hope to see you there. Okay. On to the next thing. You know, I've I've done a lot <clears throat> in the last six years in fighting sarcoidosis, and I feel like outside of being a little bit out of shape, I'm I'm in the best I'm in the best position that I've been in in that six years. Uh, the uh, you know I've had I've had four ablations. I've had some other procedures that have helped me really be uh, really help my heart be more sustainable in terms of a normal beat.
That was fellow Sark fighter Royce Robertson. He appeared on episode 79 of the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. He shared the story of how cardiac sarcoidosis has had him sidelined from his normal life for some time. And I hope you'll go back and listen because it was really an amazing and heartfelt interview. But you may have heard me mention during that interview and since then that Royce is doing a fundraising bike ride where he is going to ride his bicycle from Buffalo to Syracuse, New York, along something called the Empire Trail. And that's a three-day ride. It's like 70 miles a day. Um, He'll be doing that over three days as a fundraiser for FSR. And now he has all the plans in place. And so I asked him to come back on the podcast and share what he is doing with the hope that we will all support him and maybe some of us will join him. So here's Royce. Joining me once again is Royce Robertson, uh, the uh, who was on not so long ago. And Royce and I have been talking about doing a bike ride to raise money for FSR. Um, and Royce, it looks like you're going solo this year that, because of some scheduling difficulties, but welcome back, and I can't wait for you to tell everybody what you're up to. Hey, John, it's great to be back. Uh, thank you again for the opportunity to talk about this. That is true. Uh, you know, we run busy lives, and uh, and so we had planned on an original date, and that date fell through, uh, had some things pop up in my life, and so we've settled on June the 10th, through the 12th, starting in Buffalo, New York, and ending in Syracuse, New York. Uh, so we'll plan on convening in, in Buffalo on June the 9th, if anybody else wants to join us. And uh, we'll ride on the 10th from Buffalo to Brockport, New York, on the 11th from Brockport to Clyde. And then on the 12th, we'll uh, we'll go from Clyde to downtown Syracuse and we'll finish up at one of my favorite restaurants, which is the Dinosaur Barbecue. We'll get some ribs and slaw and, and have a good time. Oh, that sounds amazing. And you'll be uh, riding and raising money for FSR. So it's basically a, th- a three-day trip, right? Basically, yep. Uh, we're going to plan on some overnight stops in those towns and uh, try to pace it out. It looks like it's about going to be about 70 miles one day, maybe about 60 miles the next, and then 40 or 50 the last day. That is uh, uh, not for the faint of heart. If you're a cyclist, those numbers don't scare you too awful much, uh, <laughs> although they give me a little bit of pause. But it's uh, uh, it's basically a, a flat-ish ride right along what people who are not from that part of the world would know better as the Erie Canal. Uh, but basically you're riding along the, what it was, what's it called now? The barge canal. Is it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. the old, old barge canal, how they okay. used to move things back and forth, but yeah, you are correct. It is. It's pretty flat. That makes, that makes 70 miles sound not quite so scary. So, <laughs> so you're looking for people to join you. And again, my wife and I were all set, but, but we've got to schedule the, the original dates you had to move for very understandable reasons. We don't want to get into all that. Um, but then when you moved it, it was right in the middle of our beach vacation. Uh, and we've got all seven of our grandkids lined up to to go. And we're all going to be in one big beach house. I, for all I know, I may be pulling my hair out and, uh, and you may see me standing beside <laughs> the road with my bicycle saying, help me. Uh, but no, but so, so it's not going to work out that I can join you this time, but 
how's the fundraising going to work? Because uh, you and I have talked just briefly, but uh, you've got a really nice page set up and you're looking for people to join you. So, you know what? Tell, tell everybody everything. Yeah, I think uh, let's start out with some some basics here. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me about uh, riding or anything related to what we're going to accomplish on June the 10th to the 12th, I've started a separate Instagram from my own personal one, and it's Cycle4, Cycle the number four, Sark, and uh, Cycle4 Sark. And if you have any questions, you want to get a hold of me, contact me directly, you can do it through that. That's also where we will be promoting the ride and providing information for other people. So that's the first point of contact. The second is FSR has been... Uh, incredibly supportive in this process. The team there and the development team has some some really professional, wonderful people, and they've set us up with a website on their preferred donor site called Rallybound. So if you go to stopsarcoidosis.rallybound.org, uh, you can scroll down and find the cycle for SARC button or tile yep. to click mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. will get you to get you to our fundraiser. And we've got a variety of uh, dollar amounts that you can consider. You can buy miles, you can sponsor a rider. Uh, one of the, uh, I'm not going this alone as it is right now. Uh, my, uh, one of my best friends, professional, personal mentor, father figure for me, uh, Jerry Buto from New Hampshire is going to be riding with us. And so, you know, if, if you look, if, if you look at the picture on the website and you say, Hey, that Jerry guy, he looks pretty, he looks like he's pretty intrepid. I think I'll sponsor him. You can also make a donation to sponsor a rider or anybody else that's planning on riding. Outstanding. So, um, let, just let's reverse course real quickly you have sarcoidosis in your heart. Yes. And so taking on this long bike ride, even for an experienced cyclist, someone who has sarc in their heart is not going to be easy. No, it, it's not. But, you know, I've, I've done a lot <clears throat> in the last six years in fighting sarcoidosis. And I feel like, Outside of being a little bit out of shape, I'm I'm in the best I'm in the best position that I've been in in that six years. Uh, the uh, you know I've had I've had four ablations. I've had some other procedures that have helped me really be uh, really help my heart be more sustainable in terms of a normal beat. You know, for the for the first time out of those six years, I can use my little cardio mobile thing and put my fingers on it, and it actually says that I have a, you know, a sinus rhythm with a wide QRS. And for many years out of this journey, it didn't say, it did not say, it did not say normal, <laughs> you know, wow. it had other, th other things, tachycardia, bradycardia, you know, things like that. So I, I feel like, I feel like the numbers, the, the conditions are pointed in the right direction. And the great thing about riding on flat surfaces and riding all day is that I can take my time. You know, it's, it's not like being in other places in central New York where, you know, you're, you know, you're going around like, you know, Cuca Lake or something like that. And you're staring, you're staring at a hill that goes straight up and you're, you're like, I got to ride up that, um, you know, so right. I, I think it, it, I'm in a position where I'm feeling the best that I felt in terms of my heart and, uh, and, and it's, it's relatively flat 
and uh, and and I'm going to do a little bit to prepare for it too. Well, you know, a lot of these fundraisers, somebody goes out and they're going to run a 5K for money or whatever, and and uh, you know, so you're going to run three miles, and not to diminish that, but um, I've also done fundraising where you run a marathon, which is 26 miles, and and the effort is real. The training is real. I mean, it dominates your life for a period of months. So the sacrifice that that you as the fundraiser goes through in return for people saying, I want to reward that effort by sponsoring your cause is real. And it's not like you can get on this on your bike tomorrow and ride 70 miles. No. <laughs> absolutely not it's gonna especially you know that that many miles three days in a row so yeah. it's gonna it's gonna take some work for me um at my peak of riding while i was on while while i was also on amiodarone um i would i would probably average about 75 to 100 miles a week you know at my best and uh and mostly in the summer not year-round you know it's 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 the northern tier so you know we don't ride outside in the winter and right. uh and and so yeah so this is going to take a little bit of work for me to get ready for it but for those that are considering you know a donation really you know don't don't make a donation for me you know my my purpose is is really to help others so please think about it as as you know that you're you're giving to you're giving to someone who's trying to do something for other people it's, right. it's for me it's for me they're just miles you know it's more of the it, it's kind of the the accomplishment that matters uh, the that we did it and that's 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 more important yeah well ag- agreed uh but i know also that uh that people will respond if they see that you are really literally <laughs> forgive the pun putting your heart into it um, and you've got yeah. to do this. You've got to be careful. And, and the other thing that, uh, I'm sure is a part of this, cause I know we talked about it last time you were on the podcast, but you know, when you're lying in that hospital bed, um, and you're thinking, man, if I can ever get well again, I'm going to, I'm going to try and give back and I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to do what I love, which for you is riding your bike. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It is a, uh, you know, I, I've, I think I said in the, in our prior, um, in the prior recording, prior podcast that, uh, that pedaling is the passion and people are the platform that, you know, that it's, that we're doing this because we're doing, I'm doing this because I, I enjoy, you know, there's nothing like the wind in your face, you know, and, and riding your bike and the enjoyment that comes from it. But, um, in the end is if it's just a ride, it's a ride. If it's, if we're doing it for the, if you're doing it for something that in a way that benefits other people, then that has, that has just that little more, little more incentive, a little bit more motivation. Have you kicked off the fundraising yet? Silently. Uh, the, okay. the, the web page, the web page is there. Stop sarcoidosis.rallybound.org slash cycle number four sark. All right. Uh, and there'll be a, there'll be a link there. in the, in the show notes, but yeah, go ahead. 
perfect. And so it's been silent at this point. Uh, you know, I've been just trying to find the right, the right avenues, right channels, right ways of getting the word out. And then from there, uh, I'll, I'm going to start getting a little bit more serious about regular postings, finding, finding new groups that, that, you know, might benefit or have, have interest in doing this. Right now, I'm just attract, trying to attract some people that uh, that are willing to also ride. You know, just trying to trying to feel it out. This is my first time doing something like this, so I'm taking advice from others and kind of, you know, in true Royce fashion, kind of kind of take advice from five six different people and then figure out what works best for me and then move forward. Well, that sounds fantastic. Of course, folks listening to this podcast, um, hopefully, some will be motivated to donate. So, um, if it isn't public. As you and I are speaking, uh, this uh, this podcast goes live in about three days from the time of the recording. So um, let's hope that that thing is is cranked up and ready to receive money. And I've I've looked at it, it's a very robust page that you've built. You've done all the all the back end stuff. It is just beautiful. Um, and so now uh, we need to uh, attract some riders and we need to attract some donors. Absolutely, that's that's. That's what we need right now. We need some visibility, some donors, some riders. Some people are looking at it and saying that, uh, hey, this is this is a good thing to do for those that are fighting sarcoidosis. Yeah. And then uh, next year, uh, God willing, you're going to do it again, but you're going to continue across New York State. And in 2024, you're hoping to ride uh, from Syracuse to Albany. Yes. Absolutely. So the the Empire Trail in New York is right. actually about 750 miles. And so I'm just taking it in a pieces and parts mentality right now. The, this coming summer is Buffalo to Syracuse. Next summer is Syracuse to Albany. And then uh, they'll start figuring out ways to get from the Canadian border down to Manhattan. And then hopefully move on to something else, like, say, maybe a Cumberland Gap Trail or some, something else that's relatively flat and beautiful and uh, and, and worth riding. Do you foresee a time when a group of us gather and we're all wearing matching FSR jerseys that say cycle for Sark and there's a whole bunch of us riding together in a huge fundraising event for FSR? Do, do you see that as an eventuality? That would be an amazing. That would be amazing. It is, it is definitely part of tar, part of my vision. I'm going to be a, uh, particularly picky about how those jerseys look uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I i like things a certain way you know in terms of design and, and i got some ideas but absolutely ah, that okay. is i'd like to be able to uh like to be able to do something that uh that has that builds builds community in a way that uh that the sarcoidosis patients deserve royce look i am so excited about what you're doing uh, I fully intend to join you next year. I wish the dates worked out better this year, but anything that I can do from the chair of this podcast to support you and to remind listeners, uh, you, you've got that behind you. And uh, and I just wish you all the best with this fundraising and, and we'll continue to do updates. We'll continue to track your progress. And after you're all done, I want to have you back on the podcast and and talk about it and and and, and exalt in all the money that you raised for this great cause. <laughs> that would be great. I'd love to. Okay. Thanks, Royce. Yeah. Thank you, John. Have a good day. 
So sadly, as you heard, the dates ultimately did not line up so that I could go and participate. So my new role is to help Royce get the word out. I want to help him build some momentum for the event. I will be making a donation uh, to his fundraising efforts. And with a year's head start, I hope to actually help him make this into as big an event as he can. And maybe I can, but it's, it's his deal. I want to make that very clear. But in 2024, I really want to plan all of my vacations and time off from my real job so that I can make that a priority and join Royce as he uh, embarks on the next leg of this campaign. So all the information to donate is in the show notes, or you can go to the FSR website and then just click on Join Team KISS, and then scroll down a little bit, and you'll see Royce's page. It's called Cycle for Sark. Click on that, and it's very easy then to just make a donation. And let's help him raise as much money as he possibly can. Now, I'll be keeping you posted on this, but I would say go right now, hit pause, go right now, make a donation, and then come back and listen to the rest of the podcast, okay? Speaking of which, now to today's main event. A young wife and mother named Sam Wassell reached out to me to say that she had recently been diagnosed with sarcoidosis. She had been having crippling pain in her abdominal region, and no one could explain it. You will be hearing her discuss the path to diagnosis and how she is handling a disease that she had never heard of. And her story, Sam Wassell's story, is next here on the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. I feel like a zombie just feeding and stumbling. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter podcast. Welcome back to the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. And joining me now is Sam Wassel, who is a fellow Sark fighter. Sam, uh, you have not been dealing with sarcoidosis for very long. Let, let's talk about your onset of symptoms and how you started figuring out something was wrong. And welcome, by the way. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I know I don't have as much experience as a lot of your other guests. And my, my onset of symptoms and my diagnosis, like a lot of other people, took a long, you know, the diagnostic part of it took a really long time. So I'm going to try to give you the cliff notes. So I'm not boring everybody. Um, I would say about six to eight months ago is when I started having symptoms and they always coincided with my menstrual cycle. They were all like abdominal and GI related. So I was having a lot of like, like bloating and distension and pressure, pain, nausea. And then it sounds so like rudimentary to say I was burping a lot, but it was like, burping to the extreme, like throwing up air basically is how my husband describes it when he hears me, um, almost to the point where I would be like gagging. Um, really? and so, yeah, it was bad. Um, and it wasn't like, it wasn't reflux. There was no like stomach acid or anything. It was just air. Um, 
So of course, since it was happening, like with my cycles, my doctor immediately thought, okay, it's probably hormonal. It's really bad PMS. Um, she did do blood work. And the only thing that was really off was my calcium was high. Mm. Um, and apparently I didn't know this, but, um, hypercalcemia is a symptom of sarcoidosis sometimes. Um, so they did lots of like OB testing with the specialist. You know, we did, um, we were checking for endometriosis and all of that kind of stuff. Um, nothing came up. And so we went, you know, down the journey of the, you know, the abdominal scans and all of that stuff. I had a parathyroid scan and ultimately they found lesions on my liver, spleen and lungs. Lesions. Um, did they say sarcoidosis at that point or they just said no, something? No, um, I had never even heard of it. And it wasn't even on the diagnostic, like the differential diagnostic list. Um, they were looking for lymphoma, which of course was scary, but I know that's a common you know, mistaken thing when it's sarcoidosis. Um, they were also looking for like fungal infections. Um, they tested me for all kinds of stuff like TB um, so they finally just did a spleen biopsy and that's when they found the, I'm going to mispronounce it, non-caseating non-caseating granuloma. Right, I didn't butcher it, but yep. yeah, you got it. So they did a biopsy and that's how they found it. Yeah. Um, luckily I was asleep for it. I have a terrible fear of needles and, uh, they showed yeah. me the needle before they did it. I don't know why they showed me the needle. Um, but yeah, stuck it in there and got it out. And, uh, that's when I got my diagnosis. So let me back up because I want to come back to all of that because now you're dealing with it. And and so as you and I speak here in late February 2023, you've been dealing with sarcoidosis for less than six months? Um, so the diagnosis was about four months ago. Um, the worst of the symptoms, I would say maybe like eight months. Um but, you know, after you hear what sarcoidosis is and you hear the symptoms, like you kind of look back and in retrospect, there might have been like other warning signs. Right. Um, a lot of times when I would get like a virus, I would get little swollen nodules on my fingertips, which I'm guessing is probably, you know, some kind of immune reaction because of sarcoidosis. Yeah. So, so yeah, like many people who've been on here and, and me myself, I look back now that I know more about it and I think, oh, well, I was just having random sweats during mm -hmm. the day. Yeah. And that's definitely a symptom that mm -hmm. a lot of people talk about. I can remember being at a at a business breakfast one day and I was talking to a guy about a very important issue. Uh, he was the uh, CEO of the YMCA. And at that time I was the president. We were talking about, you know, moving forward with some big program and I was very excited about it. And I just had like sweat coming off my forehead. And I was like wiping my forehead with my napkin thinking, I have no idea. And that was probably two or three years before I was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So some, something was going on because that, I mean, that continued to happen, but that's the one time I remember it. And now you're looking at those situations and you're saying, oh, that could have been Sark. That could have been Sark. Yeah. And so, but you're a young woman. Yeah. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned the sweats. I didn't have the the sweats, but I would get like really bad facial flushing. Um, yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Like, yeah. like my wife was going through menopause at that time, mm -hmm. right? 
And so I was kind of embarrassed to talk about it because like, well, men don't go through menopause, but I was having the same type of symptoms that she was with the, like you called it facial flushing. Yeah. So like, it's always my, my nose. Like I, I joke, I look like Rudolph because my nose gets really red and it gets hot. Um, and when it would get really bad, it would also be like my, like my upper thighs. And I like in the evening, I'd be on the couch and I would have like ice packs on my face and my thighs. And I probably just looked ridiculous. Um, but that again is part of the reason that they thought it was hormone related at first. Yeah. But so can you share with viewers how old you are? I, you know, you're never supposed to ask a woman her age, but I oh, mean, I don't mind. I'm 33, 33. Mm-hmm. You have four children. I do. I have four boys, um, twin 10 year olds, and then a six year old and a 15 month old. God bless you. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's always, I, uh, yeah. Loud in this house. I have, I have, uh, three sons and they're grown, but, uh, you know, four, four, four is, is challenging. And, mm-hmm. and yet you are, uh, kind of a running phenom. I don't know if I call myself. You've done marathons and ultra marathons. So so let's give people, because I want people to understand that sarcoidosis will attack you even if you're super young, healthy, and fit, right? So let's give people a picture of your level of fitness because it's beyond the average person. Um, Yeah, so I was active all through high school, um, track and cross country. And then I ran cross country in college at um, St. Mary's. Like, um, are you familiar with St. Mary's? It's it's the uh, it's all it's an all girls college, um, right by where, Notre Dame. Where is it, Notre Dame? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you were a so, Division One runner? No, no, no. no. We oh. were D three. D three. Okay. Um, yeah, we were D three. And then um, I continued running after college. Um, I got into marathoning. I've probably done, I should know this, at least, I'm pretty sure I've done at least 10 foals. Um, and I've done one 50 miler, that was before kids. And then after kids, I've done two um, ultra marathons that were on trails. And those were like, they were six hour races and you just ran however much you could run in six hours. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, your resume is not, it's more impressive than mine, but not dissimilar. I was, I was a marathon runner back yeah. in the day and I did 10 full marathons and, you know, in the back of my mind, like you always think when you hear about Lou Gehrig's disease and it seems like it attacks athletes and a number of people who've come on the podcast have been uber fit people. Mm-hmm. I just wonder sometimes if there's not a connection and this is me just wondering out loud. I just wonder if there's a connection. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as far as I know, there's no, um, there's no research or anything conclusive about like what causes sarcoidosis. Um, I mean, I will say I related to, there was one episode where you talked about having like a weird feeling in your calves. Yes. Um, And I, I had that a few years back and it wasn't like you had said, like I've had Charlie horses, I've had cramps. It wasn't that, but it was like this kind of a numbness or like, it felt like I was going to cramp up, but I wasn't. Um, and so, you know, that would happen when I would run. So I don't know. I mean, even now though, it seems like when I, when I do run, 
I don't, you would think your symptoms would get worse with physical activity, but like while I'm actually running, I don't have the symptoms. And then it might be like later in the evening, I'll have a, like some abdominal pain or something. It is odd. Yep. Yep. Interesting. So, so you, let's go back to your diagnosis. So okay. now you have, let's list the organs that you have spleen. Where else? Uh, liver and lungs. Um, my doctor also suspects based on my symptoms that it's in my gut. Um, but she said like with the type of imaging that we've done, um, you just wouldn't see it. Right. Um, so are these CAT scans or MRIs or what are they? Um, they were, I did an abdominal CT with contrast and then a chest CT without contrast. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I'm just, I'm just curious what, you know, sometimes sarcoidosis resolves itself. And, and to me, based upon anecdotal evidence, you're still in that window where it might just go away on its own. What are doctors telling you right now? Let's hope so. What are doctors telling you? Um, not a ton. Um, as you know, it can be frustrating when you're seeing multiple doctors because every doctor has kind of a different take on it. Um, it's still pretty early. So, I mean, the good thing is I don't have it on any organs that are like life threatening, you know, it's not my heart, it's not my brain. And I'm very grateful for that. So at this point, um, it's kind of like, let's see if we can get the symptoms under control. Um, and once that happens, slowly wean off the meds and, you know, fingers crossed, maybe I'll just be in remission and that'll be it. Um, but there's no really, there's really no way of knowing for sure. Um, at this point, it's just symptom management because although like my, you know, my life isn't at risk based on where I have it, my quality of life, I got into the point where it was just like non-existent. Um, I couldn't, when it got really bad, I couldn't eat any solid food. I was on basically a liquid diet. Um, I lost a lot of weight. I was having dizzy spells. Like my mom was having to drive me to all my tests and appointments because I just, I didn't want to drive because I didn't want to like black out while I was driving, you know? That sounds terrible. I mean, that's so, so uh, okay. So you're, how are you able to cope with four boys, 10 and under? Um, well, I'm able to cope because my husband is a rock star, basically. Um, he's really picked up the slack for me because, um, especially with our 15-month-old, this this all kind of started, and he was teething. And so, you know, rocking him was impossible for me because he'd be pushed up against my abdomen, which is where I had the most pain. Um so he's been really great about taking them to like, you know, swimming, soccer, school functions, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and although I'm, I'm really grateful for that. It has also been extremely frustrating to, I'm going to get emotional, um, to feel like I'm missing out on such, you know, like, just big parts of their lives. Um, I know that like when they grow up, this is all going to be like a blip on their radar and they're not going to remember me. Hopefully they're not going to remember me as always being in pain or curled up on the floor crying. Um, 
but I hate that they've seen me like that. And as happy as I am that because of my husband, their lives are going on without me being present all the time. Um, it can be hard not to be resentful that I'm missing out on so much. Um, you know, just when you're, when you're a kid, all of the, you know, the after school activities and that's like your world. And I haven't been able to be there for a lot of that recently. Yeah. I wouldn't discount. I mean, maybe they won't remember, but this is, this is a valuable, valuable part of your life and you will remember and, and you will, you'll know what you did or didn't do. I mean, you'll remember that 20 yeah. years from now. So yeah. don't discount that. That's valuable too. Right. Yeah. They're, they're great though. I mean, the, the youngest one, he, obviously he doesn't understand what's going on, but um, my other ones, sometimes after we tuck them in, if they hear me, like if I'm in pain and I'm crying or something, they'll get out of bed and they'll come out and just hug me. And every night when we say prayers, they pray that I get better and that the medicines are helping. And just, they know they're like, we hope mama doesn't have any more flares and they're, they're good boys. Oh, that's that's amazing. Um, so what medications are you taking right now? Um, I am on prednisone, which I know um, you hate. <laughs> how many milligrams? Uh, I'm only on 10 right now. Um, we started me on 40. Okay. And my doctor actually wanted to wean me off it really quickly because, as you know, it, it's just not good for you. Um and I've actually, they tried to wean me off of it, I think three times. And every time they wean me off of it, my symptoms just came roaring back. And so um, my rheumatologist was like, we're just going to stick with the 10 for a month. I'll see you in a month and we'll reassess then. Um, so I'm on that. I am on um, Plaquenil and I started methotrexate about a month ago. How are you taking the methotrexate? Um, I think okay. I know um, some people have really nasty side effects with it. It's kind of hard to tell at this point since I'm so early on in my journey. Like if I feel like crap, if it's because of the sarcoidosis or if it's because of one of the medications. Um, but I haven't noticed anything terrible. I know some people feel sick on it, but I haven't. I haven't felt nauseous or maybe just compared to, you know, the sarcoid flares, which all were giving me such bad abdominal pain, maybe, you know, everything else in comparison just seems like nothing, but I haven't noticed right. a big problem with it. Right. And you're seeing a rheumatologist. Mm -hmm. Um, I just started seeing a rheumatologist about a month ago and he's the one that prescribed the methotrexate. I'm also seeing um, a pulmonologist, although my, luckily my lung involvement is basically asymptomatic. Um, my breathing hasn't been compromised. I don't have chest pain, um, no coughs or anything, but since they did see lesions in my lungs, they wanted me to keep up with a pulmonologist. Are you still running? Uh, finally, again, yes. <laughs> um, when it got really bad, I couldn't, I would try, you know, just because, you know, the runner mindset, get out there and do it, <laughs> but Tougher, um, no matter what, just get it done. It just got to the point where I'd go out and I'd shuffle a little bit and then I'd be walking and then I'd be dizzy. So I just have to turn around and come back. 
Um, but I, once I started to stabilize, I got back into it. Um, and actually I think it was two weeks ago. Um, I went out and I hit 28 miles and I was really happy about that because I haven't done that. 28 miles? 28. (laughs) You ran 28 miles? I did. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it, well, it, you know, it's my, it's my therapy. It's my, I get, I do one long run a week, um, on the weekends when my husband is here to watch all the kids and, you know, I haven't been leaving the house a whole lot because the flares can be unpredictable. And so I don't, I got, it got to the point where I just stopped making social plans because I would make plans and then have to cancel last minute. And it was very frustrating. And so as long as I'm feeling okay, you know, my, my weekend long run is my chance to just get out of the house and just, you know, whatever, be free as corny as that sounds, but yeah, look forward to it. But it used to take me when I was training, it would take me weeks to work up to a 20 mile run. And then that would be the longest run I would do before a marathon, which is 26.2. So you just went out and ran 28 miles. Yeah. I wanted to, I kind of wanted to prove myself, prove to myself that I could still cover a marathon distance. Um, And I hit 26 and I was still a little ways from home. So I was like, all right, we'll just, Take it to 28. So yeah, it was nice. Well, congratulations. And so how did you feel during and after that? Um, I felt really good during it, actually. Um, And then afterwards, I mean, I was tired and I was a little bit sore the next day, but not not terrible. Um, And that had been coming off a really good couple of weeks um, symptom wise. I like all of my sarcoid symptoms had been under control for a while. So I was finally eating a lot better, which obviously like you can't go run 28 miles if you're on a liquid diet. Um, so everything had gotten better. And then last week, of course, we got slammed with a stomach virus and, Mm um, my doctor said that it will get better as my um, inflammation goes down with the medicines, but anytime my kids bring home a cold or a virus, you know, they'll have like the sniffles and I will just flare like crazy. And I'll be, you know, I'm in the fetal position with abdominal pain. And I mean, I'm glad that they're not in pain, but you know, they'll, like I said, they'll like cough or sneeze a little bit and I'm just wiped out for like a week. Right. So well, you're, you're immune suppressed, right? Mm-hmm. And and you got all this stuff going on in your body, so it's that has got to be tough. And you're you're. It sounds like you're a stay at home mom. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't work yeah. outside the home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Within with four boys, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how anybody does that. Yeah. You know, and then add sarcoidosis in on top of that. Um, good lord. Um, so, what do you see going forward? for you with your treatment, with your life, with your approach to life, where are you at? Um, I guess as cliche as it sounds, I am trying my best to take things one day at a time. Um, it's, it's easy when my symptoms are under control to have a positive outlook, um, because I feel good. Um, when, 
and I know you've done podcasts about like the emotional toll that it takes on you. Um, when it gets really bad, it is hard for me to see beyond the moment, um, which is something that I'm trying to work on. Uh, I've had some like really, really like dark moments. Um, and it hasn't helped that I haven't been able to see my therapist a whole lot lately because the flares have been so bad that, like I said, I've had to cancel so many things that I just stopped making appointments with her because I'd make an appointment and then have to cancel it. Um, but I'm trying to have the mindset when it does get bad that it won't last forever. Um, and it's something that my husband has said to me when I'm when I'm in a flare, when I'm, you know, crying or I'm on the floor and as dramatic as it sounds, sometimes I'm just on the floor screaming, like when the abdominal pain is that bad. Um, and it's always, you know, he'll say it'll pass, it'll pass. And it's something I tell my kids when they hear me crying, cause they get worried and I'll say it'll pass. It always passes. Um, so I just try to have that mindset that even when it's bad, it won't, it won't last forever. Um, I'm hopeful that since I am early on in my journey that we can get me into remission and um, just try to get back to a somewhat normal life. Mm-hmm. Man, that's tough. So you are seeing a therapist. That was going to be my next question. You sort of answered it. At what point did you say, hey, I need to talk to somebody about this? Um, I actually had a therapist before all of this. Um, I, in college, I struggled a lot with an eating disorder and, um, since then just, you know, anxiety, depression, stuff like that. And I was seeing a therapist regularly already and she's awesome. I was very lucky that I found somebody that, that gets me and is very like down to earth and isn't offended if I drop a few F-bombs during the session. Okay. Um, so, um, talking to her has been really good. She just, you know, she tries to give me coping mechanisms and we're trying to work through it. So, Okay. I, you mentioned the eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope you've rounded the corner on that. That's no longer an, an issue for you. I'm just wondering if any or all of this is connected. Nobody knows what causes sarcoidosis. I've had some of the top experts in the world on this podcast and they don't know. Everybody's trying to find out. Right. Maybe somebody will listen to this and start connecting dots that you and I aren't aware of. Somebody with the broader research, you know, and, and who who really is uh, qualified to connect dots. But um, nobody's ever suggested that that's any part of what's going on with you, have they? No. Um, I don't. I don't think it's related. And my therapist even told me because at first when I started having the symptoms, you know, since they were all GI and abdominal, that was my fear. And I even told my therapist like, gosh, what if I, what if my past has just screwed up my body? What if I did this to myself? What if, you know, it's all coming back to haunt me. And then when I got my diagnosis, you know, she even told me like, you know, you should feel kind of validated. Like, you didn't do this to yourself. This is, this is something unrelated. Um, and I will say as, as horrible as it has been, um, 
from an eating disorder recovery standpoint, it's really given me a new perspective because like I, I couldn't eat for so long because of the flaring and the pain that now when I can eat, it's like, give me all the food. Um, you know, it's, I just appreciate being able to eat. Um, and it's funny because my husband, sometimes if I'm having a lull in symptoms, he will after work drive 30 minutes out of his way and bring me Krispy Kreme donuts because he knows that like, that's what I crave when I'm feeling mm. better. So yeah. Awesome. I love Krispy Kreme donuts, especially when they're still warm. Oh. Yep. Yeah. My kids appreciate that too. Anytime right. that I'm feeling better, they're like, does this mean we get donuts? I'm like, yeah, we'll go get donuts. Right. Where do you live? Um, Northern Indiana. Okay. All right. Where are you getting your treatment? for SARC? Um, it's not no like specialist at this point. It's just been, um, my PCP. And then she referred me to the rheumatologist and the pulmonologist and they're both just local here in South Bend. Um, hopefully they can get everything under control. I guess if, you know, if we don't see improvement, we'll look, um, Chicago is nearby. So I know there's some, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure there's an expert, a SARC expert in Chicago. Yeah, there's a, there's quite a few of them actually. So, um, and then um, and that's where FSR is is headquartered. So, um, and if you are looking for experts near you, there's a great registry, or I can put you in touch with some folks through FSR who can point you in the right direction. I'm just curious, like your local doctor, are you their only sarcoidosis patient? Do they have two or three? Do you know? Um. My primary care, I'm not sure how familiar she is with it. Um, I'm guessing not super familiar because she um, she referred me right away to the to the pulmonologist and then the rheumatologist, and she told me to defer to them as far as like treatment goes. Um, my pulmonologist has lots of SARC patients, um, but they're they're obviously more pulmonary involvement. Right. Um, and my symptoms aren't pulmonary. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, my rheumatologist has some experience with it. Although um, neither of them have seen anybody with my kind of like my symptom manifestation. Yeah. yeah, it's just an odd, an odd presentation. They said. Right. Well, that's what SARC does. It is just that's why they call it the snowflake disease. Is it's different for every person. It has a different yeah. impact on every person. It attacks each person's body differently. So, um, well, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. I wish you all the best. Um, Please continue to listen. Uh, I would encourage you if you haven't already to, uh, to scour the FSR website and, and to look for some solutions there, Uh, support groups, you know, whatever it is, there's, there's a lot of people out here who are trying to do the right thing and help people, especially people like you that are just kind of dipping your toe into all of this and suffering the effects at the same time. So I'd say, give it a shot. Yeah. Well, I'm very, I'm very grateful that I found your podcast um, just because I, I really was feeling isolated and just, you know, that feeling, not so much the why me feeling, but the feeling of nobody gets this. Nobody understands like, you know, the frustration of it can hit at any time or, you know, even when you're not in pain, you're in constant fear that you're going to be in pain. Um, 
So I really appreciate that you put the podcast together. It's uh, uh, my my 15 month old and I listen to it when we're doing like our morning chores. So, you know, we'll be folding laundry and he'll be dancing to the zombie song. So he recognizes your voice, I think. Huh. Yeah, you sent me the clip of him dancing to the zombie song. I think that's amazing. Yeah, he likes it. So. That is yeah. amazing. It's a catchy song, though, isn't it? It is. It gets stuck in your head. Yeah. Yeah, I walk around humming it, and I'm thinking, "This is a rate a song from the radio." And I'm like, no, if anybody hears me humming this, they'll be like, "What? What is that, that that's in your head?" Yeah. Right. Well, Sam, I'm gonna uh, I'm just gonna say goodbye again and thank you and wish you all the best, and right. please stay in touch. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks to Sam for sharing her story. Let's hope her bout with sarcoidosis is a short one. Thanks also to Royce for the fundraising that he is doing with his Cycle for Sark campaign. And let's not forget the awareness that comes from high-profile events like this. So please go make a donation. All the money goes to FSR. You can find a link in the show notes. The official Sark Fighter song is called Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, the White Hot Lizards. You can hear Mark's story, the story behind the lyrics, in episode 12. Occasionally, I do play the entire song for you at the end of an episode. I did that at the end of episode 41, so you might want to go back and hear the whole song. Normally, I release the Sark Fighter podcast every other Monday, and as far as I can remember, we've always been able to do that. As I'm speaking today, my trusty dog, Dougal, has been in and out of my office, and he is my rescue boxer from the Roanoke Valley SPCA, and he makes my life so much better. Don't forget to follow the Sark Fighter podcast on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. I'm on Peloton, even, as Sark Fighter, so find me there. And my cycling blog, called Carlin the Cyclist, has a section called Cycling with Sarcoidosis, where I talk about how uh, sarcoidosis has changed the way that I have to approach one of the great loves of my life, which is riding my bicycle. Also, if you are new here and you're just trying to figure out what sarcoidosis is, you did a Google search and you found the podcast somehow and you're like, okay, I still, I've listened to these people's stories, but I don't know exactly what I'm up against. Go back and listen to episode two with Dr. Simon Hart from the UK. And if you want to know more about me and how sarcoidosis sort of made its way into my life, you can go back and listen to episode one. And the backstory to the founding for the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is episode 11 with Andrea and Redding Wilson. You can send me an email, carlinagency at gmail.com. I've made it easy for you by putting a link in the show notes. I do appreciate your interest in the Sark Fighter podcast. It helps me reach more people and grow the show if you share it on your social media. So I really do appreciate that. And if you like it, just, just tell one person. And also, you might want to consider giving the show a nice review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your downloads. I really do appreciate that. Until next time. Keep fighting. I feel like a zombie just feeding at stumbling.